Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that I support creative control on Patreon because I think long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support creative control on Patreon too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. I'm Visha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that. Nels Klein is a tremendously gifted musician who currently calls upstate New York home. If not the world's greatest guitar player, Klein is definitely in the top two for that category after decades spent blowing people's minds in the realms of jazz, punk, improvised music, every other recognized genre, and is a member of the inventive Chicago rock band Wilco. Klein tends to more than a few of his own bands and musical configurations, and at some point, he recently assembled the Nels Klein Singers to create a remarkable new album called Share the Wealth, which is available worldwide on November 13th, 2020, via Blue Note Records. Nels returns to this show to discuss his hopes that the 2020 U.S. election does not result in an unfair or disputed contest, relocating recently with his wife, the gifted musician and home recording enthusiast, Yuka C. Honda, how much he misses seeing live and improvised music, 
how jazz fusion, tropicalia, and psychedelic sounds influenced Share the Wealth, Future Plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control and Massey Hall's concert film series live at masseyhall.com where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free, including performances by past podcast guests like Bahamas, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 579th episode of Creative Control, featuring your friendly neighborhood, Nels Klein, with your host, me, Vishkana. Hi, Nels. How's it going? Well, Vish, it's been an interesting year. Uh, it's basically going well uh, in spite of everything. And uh, I haven't seen you in a long time. You look really different. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. Did you know that uh, you wouldn't know this, obviously? I moved to Edmonton, Alberta with my family. Oh, yeah. okay. I, I did not know this. Well, I, I meant to send you a postcard and I forgot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We moved at the end of December. And, uh, mm. uh, you know, big move, obviously. And then everything went to hell. And so now, yeah, in terms of the look, I have a thing going on. I got a beard. It's... Uh, you do. Don't you know other people growing, you know, growing things out just because they can? Or, yeah, yeah. Do you have, have other you friends? Seen Bill, Fr- seen Bill Frizzell lately? <laughs> seen that? Seen his beard? <laughs> I have not, no. So, He's yeah. got a beard. Have you ever had a beard? Uh, n- no. I had an almost beard when I had adult chicken pox many years ago. Oh, right. Uh, and in fact, uh, uh, it was a Wilco tour. A few gigs had to be postponed because I couldn't shave for about two weeks. And I had, you know, scabs all over my face. And I landed in uh, Calgary, Alberta, oh. uh, to start the tour once I was no longer contagious and deathly ill. And, uh, a scabby face, two weeks of beard growth, and no one blinked. They didn't even, they didn't stop me and question me or anything. I was amazed. But no, I'm, I'm not really a beard guy. I did, at the beginning of all this, not cut my hair for quite a while. So I had a bit of a hair helmet after about almost six months of not cutting it. But then you could cut my hair because I had to do things like this. It was time to time to look respectable again. You look very nice. I think your hair is very nice. You could did a great job, if I might Thank say. You. Yeah, it, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, hey, Yuka Vicious really likes the haircut. <laughs> so uh, where in the world are you, Nels? I normally ask people that, uh, and uh, you know we're remote here. Where are you? Well, I am in Delhi, New York. Delhi, New York. Whereabouts is that? It's in Delaware County. In relation to Manhattan. Let's go with that. Is it like it's on the, about, you, it's you about three three hours plus? Oh, north. oh, you're like in upstate New York, C- truly upstate, truly yeah. upstate, and that's what, how long have you been there? It's snowing right now here. 
Oh. Well, we started in another place further north near Anianta, sort of. Uh, it was northeast of Anianta, and now we've been here for a couple of months. We're just kind of in this temporary zone. Our stuff's in storage. It's interesting. Is this because of the pandemic that you've left the city? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, I guess, a confluence of various elements, but certainly that is the uh, catalyst. Hmm. You know, it, it sort of accelerated what may have been, uh, I mean, predictable on some level. Maybe we would have ended up here a few years later than we are now. Yeah. I, but now we're here. It's a lovely part of the uh, the country, upstate New York. The mount, the, It's not mountains, but it's hill. Actually, there are some mountains, aren't there? There's hilly, yeah. like hills and... Like, we're I mean, in the Catskills. We're yeah. in the Catskills and it's extremely beautiful. I would, I'd have to say it's very, very beautiful. It's breathtaking. Is it conducive to music making and collaboration? Uh, I mean, I know right now that's that whole idea and notion is probably very complicated. Uh, but yes. uh, do you do you feel like is there a little na- a community of musicians near you, or do you no. Have, no? <laughs> we have we have two musician friends uh, who are fairly nearby. They're maybe about twenty five minute drive away. That up here is close, and that's how we ended up up here. It was actually uh, we were sort of encouraged. Um, gently but firmly um, by two of our best friends. And so we can collaborate with them sometimes, but mostly it's just me and Yuka and our dog. Oh. And uh, and I have done some recording. Yuka's able to record me in a little room that she has set up, and, and I just overdub. Or we did a live stream on Friday where I played solo guitar and uh, Cup, our duo, played from the living room here. That was quite a production. That was uh, through Ars Nova Workshop in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. So there is a certain amount of productivity. Uh, I've done some writing, music writing. But ultimately, uh, well, not ultimately, generally, when this all started, I did not feel driven or productive. I sort of accidentally productive because I was sitting around playing guitar. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I've talked to a number of musicians who haven't quite felt inspired to write and create during this period. Uh, but at the same time, uh, a number of them are catching up on projects they'd shelved, you know, things they just never had the time to do uh, oh, yeah. or get around to. I'm sure you have an archive of recordings and live well, tapes and all sorts of things. I'm guessing. No, I'm not touching that. Not I, to, do. I, I, I do. I don't, I don't, I don't address any of that. It's in a big heap somewhere in the box now in that storage space. But, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I did get a, a, a grant to write and perform music uh, with my Brooklyn-based quartet that I started last year, mm-hmm. which I'm calling the Concentric Quartet. So I kind of accidentally wrote about 12 pieces <laughs> for this quartet. Uh, when we can perform it is a whole other story, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, And in the meantime, the singer's record is coming out, and I've spent um, the last couple of months doing mostly non-musical activities related to that like talk online or uh oversee video production or package design and things like that you know and uh that's gone well that's good yeah i uh the the new record is a gorgeous one we will talk about it's called uh, share the wealth correct that is the correct title yeah uh, it's a beautiful record and uh before we get to it i mean i i feel like the title is telling in itself on some level these days. As we're speaking, I, I want people to know that as you and I are speaking, it is uh, Monday, November 2nd uh, in the year 2020. 
Uh, it's 1013 uh, Mountain Standard Time. So tomorrow uh, is Election Day in uh, your country there, Nels. And uh, yes. so by the time people hear this and things could be hopefully, I think, totally different. Um, I wonder if you can give me you, you had alluded to this, like what a weird year it's been. But uh, I'm just wondering if you can give me your perspective on your country as we're speaking right now. What do you make of what has been? And I mean that from a pandemic perspective. I mean that from social justice perspective. There's lots going on right now. And it feels all of us, uh, myself included, a Canadian, a little on edge, a little worried about what's coming uh, for all of my friends in America, because no matter what happens tomorrow, I feel like the next few months, years are going to be rough. How are you yeah. feeling? How are you feeling? Well, I'm trying not to, and it's very difficult, I must say. I'm trying not to buy into all the panic that's being dispensed uh, in many media outlets uh, from various perspectives, left, right, middle, whatever. Is I think there's a lot of uncertainty, but it's being ramped up to uh, almost sort of untenable and extreme proportions maybe just to keep people watching tv news or reading the news on their phones or whatever Um, there's certainly going to be some grotesque conflict and uh i'm hoping that all the quiet sensible people vote and that the votes matter and that it's a fair election I have no idea how to uh, how anyone can actually assure that at this point. So I'm just hoping that the Patti Smith song rings true and that people really do have the power and that it's not going to end up being, uh, shall we say, uh, hijacked. Um, I think the amount of polarity that's been fed into the country for the last four years is extremely distressing. And I think that it could end up being extremely destructive. If we look at it another way, it could be instructive. And I think that if we look within ourselves and decide what it is we want as a country and start realizing that we have commonalities, we aren't just, you know, we can, by making enemies, we get nowhere. Uh, we have to start thinking about what keeps us, well, I don't, do we want a society, you know? And I would like to see a society. That's what a lot of Share the Wealth, the title has to do with. It has to do with some basic ideas about rethinking the distribution of wealth, for example, and of course, of justice and fairness um, to all individuals, not just the noisy ones and not just the beleaguered ones and not just the jerks. So, uh, yeah, I'm worried. And... I don't know what it's going to be like. I'm worried about a lot of the cities because I have friends. Most of my friends are in the city, uh, cities all over the country. And uh, those places are potentially going to erupt. And I feel like there are agents uh, out there who are going to try to ensure that. And they are, uh, they're doing so in a clandestine way. And um, we have to resist. I think we need to resist this urgent need that's being we're being told we have this urgent need to change everything tomorrow by whatever means necessary and i i I would like people to try to resist this if they can because i think it's going to end up setting things back pretty far 
You have been uh, living in this country your whole life. You are someone who has traveled, <laughs> traveled throughout this country. I mean, you alluded to the fact that the polarization over the past four years has uh, been particularly bad, but uh, for some of us who have been paying attention, like this is the end result of decades of such polarization, such media fear-mongering and politicians fear-mongering. Do you think what we are going through, and I say we because we all feel part of this, we all feel touched by it, even if we're not Americans. Uh, do you feel like this last four years is just the byproduct of, you know, decades and decades of sort of well, behavior? Yeah, I guess I suppose it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like a, many, I guess, very wise religious figures in the Buddhist tradition. I have have trickled down there with my Buddhist friends uh, the idea that that you know we create these individuals, you know, in our society. They don't just like an island that just shows up to torment us. Hmm. Uh, so certainly, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely the byproduct of a whole legacy of exploitation, uh, discrimination, unfairness. But I think if we focus only on that, it starts to feel hopeless. And I think feeling hopeless is, is a victory for people who don't have vision for the future that could be fair and just. Um, I really do think that most people want others to be able to survive and and thrive and have safety for their families and food and shelter. I really do. I think that that's an innate human characteristic because after all, we are social animals. We don't exist in a vacuum like this pandemic uh, lockdown vacuum all that easily. We really like proximity as I do, which is why I like cities and why I like gigs <laughs> you know yeah yeah um so i think as people start to reassess their what their real needs are uh it'll be interesting to see uh what surfaces but i think that it's it's some scary shit out there yeah it is and uh it's i don't know if you're like me uh i i, I try to stay informed but i also i like being in little vacuums uh, where everything seems great. <laughs> and like, you know, I think a lot of us didn't really pay attention to a certain brand of anger that was running through the undercurrent of our daily lives. And so that's where I'm, when I mentioned the, the vacuum thing, and, and I ask you, like, does this four years, was this really that big a shock, given everything that's been peddled uh, preceding it? I don't know. I, I feel like we're not always listening to each other on some level and and... At the same time, people who have platforms now maybe shouldn't. Like, it's very confusing. Like, I've mostly just avoided some of this negative, uh, these negative impulses, these selfish impulses. Uh, so that's why I ask you if, like, it feels like a surprise or was it just something we've compartmentalized as, like, well, that's just those people. Yeah. That's all. Like, I guess I'm wondering, particularly as someone who's an improviser, I know you listen deeply. Oh, well, <laughs> okay, I'll say I'll say two more things maybe about this, and then maybe I'd like to not get like yeah. just lashingly depressed today. Yeah, so, sorry, sorry, Nels. Um, it's just no, the, it's okay. It's the way I am. I try. To, I'm a gloom and doom guy. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not. Well, I, I'm just. No, I, I I think that it's important to unplug. Yeah. Personally, because we're being inundated. I think the 24-hour news cycle and all the lies that come out of that and a. And it's all almost all ex- exaggerated, which is a kind of lie. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I think if we unplug from that and take care of each other on a local level and take care of ourselves and continue to do our work, if that's it's if you can muster that, I think that's extremely important. And I think that looking, and that's my second point, is that looking into the mouth of of lies, hatred, and panic and disruptions all every second of your day is is ill advised. Yeah. That's, uh, that's for fine. one's health, because I don't think the people who disseminate this 24 hours a day care about you and me. They just are trying to keep people tuned in. Yeah, that's so, fair. So uh, I, I try to resist, and I, it's very difficult, yeah. okay? I, I, but I'm just saying I try to resist going to that place where I'm going to just jump off a cliff, you know? Yeah. I want to uh, – I appreciate you engaging with this stuff. I know it's hard, and as I say, we're on the eve of something weird. So uh, I'm sure your uh, your levels of ah are kind of high right now as they are for me. I want to try to see the bright side of what's been going on in terms of our self isolation. I was recently uh, I recently read a book called Mirror Sound uh, hmm. by Spencer Tweedy and uh, Lawrence. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, your your wife Yuka see uh, Honda there uh, profiled in the book for the studio space, and you alluded to that. I just wonder if you've seen a bright side. I know you're a road dog. You like to play live. You like to tour. Is there a bright? Is there a bright side to being a bit more self-sufficient in terms of what Yuka does? Like it sounds like she has made a point of having home studios uh, and being creative at home. I know you said you're doing your best with that stuff, but is there kind of a bright side to that for you to have uh, maybe even Yuka? in your life so that you can, if you have an idea, you can well, go into a space and try to capture it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's certainly nice to be able to continue playing something yeah. and also to be in spite of the, the strangeness of it, to be reaching people. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I haven't been watching a whole lot of live streams or anything. I know many of my friends who are, uh, you know, real uh, fans of music and, and deep listeners and, they follow it. They've been doing this because it's going to keep them saying mm. this is what, what they appreciate in the world and it gets them through their day. You know, the irony uh, for me, frankly, is that uh, what I was kind of wishing for before this happened was to quote unquote, like get off the treadmill for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Meaning yeah. Yeah. To just be home and to be able to have time to learn something new on the guitar or write some new pieces or just like make some dinners, I don't know, just something else. And then this happened. And uh, I feel extremely lucky that, that we have friends who have been so supportive and that we have each other. So, yeah, we, I mean, there's an upside to pretty much anything that's creative where people can have their own activity be honored in some way, either at home or out in the world online or something. Yeah. And uh, Yuka's got a really good perspective on that. And it helps me because she has to kind of talk me down sometimes. Yeah. 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 I wonder about that. Like this has been a major transition for so many of us to be, I don't know about you, but I mostly stay at home. I get groceries and that's well, you kind of yeah, that's what we do. But it's kind of what we were doing anyway when I when we were both home. It's just kind of I didn't run out to the clubs and like go nuts every night or anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I like being able to play, uh, and I was doing a lot of playing in the city as much as was coming along. I was just happy to be doing so many cool things. The real downside is that I have virtually no income, so that's well, been. Yeah. In the, <laughs> yeah and i never wanted to monetize playing anyway i just like to play music so it's not like i ever had a 
had a system or an idea of, of my worth or anything like that, but things were going pretty well there for a while. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, and I'm sorry to hear that. I hope uh, that it's uh, a hardship that you can overcome as soon as possible for what it's worth. Well, we're, we're doing our best, you know, I yeah. mean, it's every time I see all these, all these people, I, I almost used a, a pejorative term, uh, like getting together in huge groups without ma any masks on and whatnot. I just think, well, there goes another six months, you know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, potentially working again, you know. So I'm not super thrilled about that. Uh, right. We'll we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think I view those gatherings and those rallies and what concerts that some of these people are putting on, and I think more of the social destruction. I hadn't really contemplated the economic destruction that you're describing like they're actually yeah they're going to prolong this situation and damage your infrastructure our infrastructure uh yeah, yeah. It, it is horrible i i was just talking to thurston moore about this uh recently and beyond the notion of uh, uh of him playing or or us you know being able to go see shows one of the things i really uh has hit me and struck me recently is not being able to see opening bands, not being able to see new bands, new musicians. Uh, that discovery thing has really got to me. Um, has that hit you at all? I know you're like, I don't, I'm not going to, we weren't going out to the clubs that much, but like just seeing new things because there's this pipeline of stuff. By the way, I ordered your record. I ordered oh. your your double vinyl for uh, Share the Wealth and I, I'm excited to get it. But And I've been ordering more vinyl uh, and it's coming to the house. To be, but but I it, And I've been like, I'm okay not seeing shows. I can handle it. But as I get now, I'm like, this pipeline is going to stop. And I'm mostly getting things I'm quite familiar with, I would say, for the most part. I'm not like, I don't know about you, but like you see a band and then you're like, oh, I never heard of this band. They're great. I'm going to buy their stuff. I'm going to follow this band now. Do you miss that? Are you missing that kind of stuff? Oh, boy. I wouldn't say that I, I perceive it that way personally. I, I think that most of the work that I do outside of Wilco, there are no opening bands. That's true. Yeah. So, so I just go play with improviser comrades and we do our thing and I go, go home, you know, but quite often my friends are playing say uh, in Gowanus and I could just walk there and go uh, hear some of just amazing music uh, that was newly composed by somebody that I uh, am interested in or respect or somebody I know is in the group. So I just went and checked it out. And that's that I absolutely missed that. And that was one of the absolute joys of living in, in the city. Yeah. Uh, and something that was, was neighborhoody really, you know, it, so that, that is, it's, that's a huge loss. That's, me. that's an interesting distinction. Thurston said the same thing. He pivoted to improvised music and the fact that that is something he misses. Cause even if you know the players, that is a totally, you know, invented thing. And that experience has really got... So it's fa it's fascinating that you have the same. Like, that's a very special thing, isn't it? Seeing Yeah, I mean, I could go... I could, for, for example, like, uh, I did have a multi-band situation before this place, Corzo in Brooklyn, stopped having shows in their back room. So I was going to play as a, as, a, as a guest with my friend Mike Baguetta's trio with, with Jerome Harris and Billy Mintz. And I was just going to play Lap Steel. But before we were on... Uh, Gerald Cleaver had a trio with Brandon Seabrook on guitar and, and, you know, doing some wild, amazing stuff. And, and of course, like that was a total joy, even though it's, uh, 
I couldn't get very close because the place was small and it was really full yeah. and it was, it was it was one of the last nights they were going to have music there and and that was you know that or going to Three's Brewing and hearing or actually even sitting in with like David Harrington's music that which my wife Yuka would be often uh, participating in and having these kinds of experiences uh, where wherein I was listening as well as playing. And I could, if I didn't have so much gear, I could have walked there for those too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, the improvisation aspect of it, but it's just what's, what's going on in our, uh, where we were living. And now it can't happen, you know, the, 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 to try to take the positive spin, the little things like that will be the first to, to reemerge because they're smaller gatherings. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be pretty far down on the list for Wilco uh, to have, figure out how to have gatherings of, yeah. of a thousand or more people. Um, so I'm just having to bide my time. And, you know, I mean, we, we spent a many, many days trying to pack up our stuff. I'm so glad you're getting all this vinyl because I just packed up probably 2,500 records to put in storage. Oh my God. And I was, and I just started without, I've been carting around my whole life and I just thought, what the hell is wrong with me? So, hey, just keep keep buying that vinyl. <laughs> I, I don't uh, need any more. <laughs> yeah, oh I, I feel like uh, you know when we I get sent downloads and MP3s and uh, and streaming stuff on this Bluetooth speaker I've connected to my computer here, and then I finally get the the vinyl copy, and I'm like, yeah, this is the way it's supposed to sound. Like I, I put it in. Well, a, that's true. Yeah. So I, I, sorry, I don't mean to get into that, but it's, I, I'm trying to be supportive of the musicians I love as well. So, because I've had friends be like, really the shipping, what about the shipping? It's so crazy. You can't go to the store. I'm like, yeah, I know it's fine. It's just the way it is. I need to help. Look, man, <laughs> I still, I still buy CDs for Christ's sake because, because compact discs. I mean, I never thought I'd be like this, uh, defender of the compact disc but the compact disc is the improviser's friend yes you know, it's true it's i can travel with them they, they play at the right speed they generally don't skip yeah uh they have no surface noise and uh and lots of improvisers make small batches of these things and it's kind of like uh you know swap them trade them like yeah. you know you can yeah. you can just go and uh inexpensively purchase something and i get you know i still get major label stuff too because i can listen to it easily uh although you can't buy a cd player anymore anyway no i don't have one in the house we have a blu-ray player that's about it and it's weird since we moved i left all the quasi working ones behind and uh, i'm like i'll be fine like it's it's sort of a weird it's a weird time yeah no i i hear you um your record you you used the phrase small gatherings a few moments ago and i was thinking about this iteration of the nels klein singers because it seems like anything but a small gathering uh tell us about uh the configuration on share the wealth it seemed and uh, you okay. know it, it's it's expansive right it's a bigger version of the band it's the six-piece version yeah it's it, it came about slowly uh the idea of expanding the band to be honest uh, i've been thinking about it for a long time because uh as you're aware initially when i started the band which was almost 20 years ago uh, it was a trio, yeah. and it was with uh, Scott Amendola, who's still playing with uh, the singers, and Devin Hoff was on bass. And Devin was uh, doing this for about 10 years, and then Trevor Dunn came in when Devin was re- ready to move on to some other uh, musical and life sort of uh, endeavors. And we got asked, or I got asked, to 
do a large version of the singers uh, years ago by Michelle Lebasur in Victoriaville. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so Michelle wanted me to do a, a, an expanded version of the band with at least one woman musician <laughs> in the band. Um, which was interesting. Made and a, I, they made a point of saying that? Like, yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And I thought, well, in my book, of course, Yuka would be my first choice. So, well, Yuka was unavailable. I think she was in Japan or something. I can't remember if she was on tour with Chiwa Mato. I don't know what was happening. Sure. But, uh, but I was, of course, happy to add Zena Parkins. So I got Zena, uh, Brian Marcello, who I'd heard with Cyril Baptista's band, Banker of the Spirits, and I'd heard play solo when Yuka and I did a, I do a thing at the kitchen a few years ago and he's mind blowing. And then I also, and we had Ciro and Trevor and Scott. And then I added Mark Rebo also on guitar because he was going to be playing with ceramic dog at the festival. And I love playing with Mark and we haven't had that many opportunities to, to do that. Yeah. But we just had a sound check rehearsal and then hit it. And that was that. And so flash forward a few years, I just kind of didn't do anything with the singers. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I needed a foil. I was tired of being the only treble clef guy, the voice, the treble clef voice. And mm. Adding Ciro to the band certainly uh, really helped me and helped to refresh the music and, and kept things colorful and lively and, and much more fabulous for me. And I think for everyone else who heard us, I hope. Um, I saw this, some expand expanded iteration of this band uh at the hillside festival in guelph uh oh yeah well i think that was just the quartet with ciro and trevor and scott and we played with daniel lenoir too that's right that was like that was a jam thing they set up that's right that was a fun that was a fun weekend for me i hope that was fun (laughs) i think it's the last time i saw you yeah well pre-beard for sure yes 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 yeah yeah a few years ago yeah and so it was cool okay so anyway yeah so, so uh, anyway, so I've known Skerrick for, well, I've been aware of him and, and been friendly with him for probably, I figured, I went back in the Wayback Machine in my faltering memory, and I think it's maybe 18 years ago oh, I wow. first heard of Skerrick. And he was playing with Crack Sabbath at Bumbershoot in Seattle, and I was there with Mark Isham's Silent Way Project. Okay. And and, uh, and then Skerrick ended up on my radar quite often through Scott Amendola because we'd be playing up and down the West coast and there would be Skerrick with one of his uh, bands on the same shows, same festivals, et cetera, et cetera. But it wasn't until last year that I played with Skerrick and uh, they have these things that um, I've found uh, perplexing, but also have turned out to be really fun for me, which are these after show jams that fish sponsor or whatever. Uh, so I did two of these in the last year or so uh, uh, in the city in New York. After their Madison Square Garden shows, they have these sort of like here. If you're, I guess your ticket, if you have this kind of ticket, it gets you into this thing that starts at twelve thirty. Oh, like an after show pass, so to speak, right? So I guess after three hours of fish, people really want to hear more music. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't see how that's possible, but. Uh, but I did two of these uh, at the Sony Music Hall, and the second one, uh, well, no, the first one was with Skerrick and Billy Martin and Mono Neon, and and we just basically improvised for ninety minutes, two hours until about two in the morning or so, two thirty in the morning, hmm. and the place would be packed. It was completely insane. But playing with Skerrick was was 
such such a joy and just hearing how he uses his pedals and his this kind of uh sometimes absolute directness that that he has in his playing that eschews all kinds of uh frills and arm waving and we just had a great time playing together and it was scott amandola who told me like man you know, Skerek really loves your music. He's like, got all your records, blah, blah, blah. Oh. So then the little light bulb went on and I just thought, and I never thought I would add saxophone to the singers. I was, I went through years where I was burned out on saxophone, to be honest. Hmm. Uh, at least where my own music was concerned, I always favored clarinet, uh, uh, different kinds of woodwinds. But I just thought, okay, what if I put a version of the singers together, which I was calling the singers unlimited, but that couldn't be used because they still exist. I think the singers unlimited. Oh, right. It's a singing group. Right. But anyway, right. What if this is what I thought? Brian, Zero, Trevor, Scott, Skerrick, and me. Like, what? Let's see what'll happen. So I I convened everybody in Brooklyn at this place called the Bunker with my friend Eli Cruz, recording us. Somebody I had met years and years ago through Scott Amendola, but who you and I have worked with extensively, and uh, he did the Cup record with us and. Uh, used to live right down the street practically and uh, we just recorded for a couple of days with some a little bit of material that I brought in did a lot of improvising and uh, we've never done a gig but I was listening to uh, the results and I thought damn you know this came out pretty good so Eli and I got together and did some editing and I added a couple of things I fleshed it out with a couple of things that I recorded later as introductions or links or or things like that and played it for uh or got it to don west to listen to and he said let's do this i thought for sure that he would think it was uh, a cool record but not a blue note record but lo and behold nice here it is a double album (laughs) yeah no it's it's fantastic for sure um i find it interesting that you uh, invoked uh the saxophone as an instrument that uh you weren't so keen on maybe in your own work because I feel like there is some influence here uh, from, I don't know, maybe the, the weather report, Wayne Shorter. Is that true? Oh, no doubt. I mean, I can, <laughs> I can, I can go down the list. It was not intentional, but I mean, to be honest, Vish, the aesthetic other than the electronic uh, aspect, which is the sort of more technology of today aspect of the record. I mean, everybody's using some kind of electronic manipulation except for Ciro in this band, uh, which is kind of a singer's thing. It's as opposed to say, you know, I've been asked many times, what differentiates this from the, the Nels Klein four or from yeah. this or from that? Well, that in that group, I eschewed looping and all kinds of effects pedals and whatnot. And the singers has always been kind of, you know, the, the full Monty, but the aesthetic and the influences, whatever, it's pretty much the same stuff since I was in high school. <laughs> I mean, it's all the same. Uh, I'm not trying to make a tribute record to the early 70s, late 60s, early 70s, uh, the birth of jazz rock or jazz or jazz fusion or whatever you want to call it. But that stuff's just in there. It's just the way I play and think. It's the way most of us in the band, if not all of us, uh, are wired, you know, and so as I listened to these improvisations, for example, which I was initially going to do kind of a cut and paste a collage version of these uh, some certain smaller elements of these, but I just loved the way they unfolded and the chemistry that was happening. Certainly I'm thinking 
you know, after the fact, like, well, that's a little bit like Odyssey of Isca or, or, hey, this kind of reminds me of the first Weather Report album or it reminds me of, oh, my God. I mean, it's just, you know, obviously Electric Miles yeah. and yeah. which there's a one song called uh, Princess Fun, which is a total intentional nod to uh, Miles of the 70s. And uh, and even some to, to the 80s, like Star People and, and Decoy. I mean, that... I just like that music and it just comes out that way. And then there's what we might term an, an indie rock element, which uh, not yet another uh, meaningless term, but uh, that's just kind of what the singers do because that's what I've been writing all this time is uh, there's that element as well. But the saxophone was always to me, uh, I don't know. It's just tired of the sound. I think in the way a lot of it, a lot of saxophone is utilized in music and it has nothing to do with the quality of players <laughs> that are out there. My quartet in Brooklyn has Ingrid Laubrock playing saxophones. And so I'm back into the saxophone, man. <laughs> <laughs> what about, it, what about- it, I'd like to mention though, that, you know, what Skerrick does is, is he can do with his effects pedals and stuff. He can do things that are, will not make one think of the sound of a saxophone. And he does it without a kind of, it's not uh, just tacked on, you know what I mean? It's part of his language. And so that works beautifully in my world and Scott's world and Ciro's world and Brian's world. Well, one of the things that sticks out for me when I think of Electric Miles or, or Wayne Shorter or or the, the term you invoked, fusion, is that notion of instrumentation that doesn't, it sounds familiar, but it also sounds like it's in disguise or something. It sounds like it's been, being manipulated or, or it's being altered. That appeals to you, obviously. Um, th- that's interesting to me because saxophones are fairly distinct. Like they sound like saxophones, <laughs> uh, but yeah. with the manipulation, you get this whole new texture. And I wonder if that's what draws you to these kinds of sounds, the notion that they are alien or they, they are... Maybe their foundation is traditional, if you will, but they become these alien t- tones. And then when you bring this group of people together, like it's, it can be difficult sometimes to pick out what's making what, like what instrument is making what sound. That appeals to you, I assume. It, it, it does. I'm not sure why, Vish, but it, it just <laughs> are, does. Are you from and outer space? Are you from outer space, Nels? I feel like you might I, be. I do like the outer space aspect of this <laughs> and, and the sort of cosmic mystery that kind of descends yeah. uh, it, along with all the earthbound sort of <laughs> deep grooves that can happen. Yeah. 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 I, I never really thought about why. Well, but, it's sometimes but certainly you, I yeah. like it. You do things and you don't really think about why sometimes, but since we're having this chat, it just makes me want to home in a little bit on that and your impulses, uh-huh. particularly, I, I know there's also uh, a Brazilian influence. I don't necessarily, I, I was, I, I thought maybe Tropicalia, but it doesn't, Tropicalia is such a strange term to me. Uh, it, it also seems to mean anything. Like it could be, uh, it, it well, obviously connotes an era and, a, and sort right. of a sound, but it's also like, I like the open-endedness of it. And It's open-ended for sure. Yeah. And it's, and it's, I think it's that kind of super colorful and if you will, like psychedelic creativity of that era in general. You hear how Brazil reacted to the musical developments of rock and roll in the sixties. You know, you hear how they react uh, blending that with what was going on in Bahia with like all kinds of amazing black musicians and what they were doing to influence Brazilian culture. And, 
and that, that's there's no doubt that that's very important to me and i became aware of it at the same time i was becoming aware of of herbie hancock and joe zavino and wayne shorter and miles and well other people too like like john abercrombie uh, and ralph towner and and all those people in the 70s that were turning our heads around braxton leo smith uh art ensemble of chicago not doing they were not doing electric music but i'm just saying that that open-endedness and that amount of creativity and freedom uh is what informs uh, i think all my favorite stuff and so yeah there's a brazilian influence for sure uh and there's zero because zero's right in there with that trajectory and he's just a, i don't know if it's a full generation after Ayrto and and uh, Domo Mumao and those guys. I think he's about a little bit younger, hmm. but definitely coming out of that kind of like kaleidoscopic contribution to the music. He's not just going to sit there and play one hand drum. You know, he 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 basically brings this kind of super ultra vivid psychedelic madness to the to the mix that is is absolutely dreamy to me it's like i i'm so i feel like the luckiest man alive that i get to have this element in my music because i it's very hard to find people who can do it let alone who even know about it you know yeah so most of the the performances on this record share the wealth are primarily improvised correct but uh but there's at least well no there's three improv improvised pieces oh there's only three. Oh, yeah. there's only three okay sorry i thought yeah. i thought i thought you came in with just a, a small number of compositional well, ideas. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I, I don't want to make it sound like I didn't feel like I had a lot of fleshed out material, but no. I had, I had, I wanted to do the Caetano song Segunda that opens the record. Having heard that on the Recanto album that Caetano produced for Gal Costa. She sings the song. It's beautiful. It's this simple. is Caetano Veloso. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Just, just for people. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and I knew I had this piece which was ended up being called Beam Spiral, the second track on the mm-hmm. record. And these are the two videos now because they asked me to, to have singles and then have accompanying videos, which is it was interesting to do uh, in this era. Um, but Yuka decided to just learn computer animation and do the Beam Spiral video, which is which which she learned it basically and th- she worked on it in three and a half weeks of having just started it. And, and that was, that's a whole other story, but it's almost nine minutes long. Yeah. So, uh, and then the second one, Segunda. So I knew I wanted to, to do those songs. Uh, I had these two ballads that didn't even, don't even have the whole band playing on them that I wrote. Uh, and I don't want to dwell on this, but they were a reaction, not a tribute to a, a, an old friend of mine in Los Angeles who had committed suicide, uh, in, in, and uh, in a, it was just very shocking and still is. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. So, so uh, Nightstand and Passed Down were songs written as a, my sort of coping mechanism. And so I had those. I wrote Ashcan Treasure, this little squib in the studio, just because I wanted to hear the sound of my dobro with, with Brian's toy piano and uh, Headdress. Uh, was the other song I came in with, which is like, I always, I like to do at least one smooth kind of number. And I realized that, you know, well, that song was just the vibe of that song is really inspired by a couple of, by like Jeff Parker's New Breed stuff and Esperanza Spaulding's 12 Little Spells. There's a song on that 
song cycle of hers that I find so incredibly beautiful and inspiring. And also realized last night we were sitting around and just kind of checking out some uh, favorite videos and songs, just hanging out after dinner. And, and I realized that the, the, the flying Lotus song called Coronas, the Terminator is another uh, inspiration for that song headdress in a way sonically it's not nearly as dark as corona the the terminator but anyway um so those were kind of the that was the written material Hmm. and then and then lo and behold there's this piece i ended up calling which is improvised uh which i ended up calling stump the panel which is the fourth track which is all of side two Hmm. so so you know the improvised pieces there may be only three of them but they do take up some bandwidth yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you were talking earlier about how CDs are, uh, uh, the compact disc is the improviser's best friend, and it did make me think, yeah, because there's they can fit a lot of information on them for one thing. So if you're playing, you're not have to worry about, is this going to fit on the side of a record? So that must be part of it too, right? Well, all my records are too long, except for uh, <laughs> the Nels Klein 4, when I got the the word from, because Blue Note, they, they license my stuff. I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't necessarily know if i'm going to make a blue note record until i do and usually until i've recorded it so in the case of the nels klein 4 i was basically told like this is going to have to be a vinyl length project because we don't have the cd be longer than the vinyl so that was quite a challenge for mr prolix here uh uh and uh and a good one and a good one so i was chagrined when i realized that this record was going to be yet another too long record of mine, but <laughs> such is life. It's wonderful. Uh, it's a beautiful sounding record. Um, I Man. want to, we've talked a lot, I think a fair amount about the music and, and the, uh, how things came together. I do want to home in on the artwork for a moment, uh, the cover art. Again, I'm waiting for the vinyl to show up, so I can't. In Me my, too. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, I haven't gotten it yet. <laughs> on my computer. Uh, it looks, and on my phone, it seems to be a photograph of a light bulb. Can you tell me a, a bit about this photograph? I would love to talk about this. This is a, a Polaroid taken years ago by uh, my dear friend and comrade in Wilco, Pat Sansone. Now, Pat is a, a, a very aesthetic human and a, an accomplished photographer. So a few years ago, he had a book of Polaroids come out on a, a very small uh, edition uh, recently, I believe, reprinted by somebody maybe slightly more uh, like a real publisher. I don't know okay. what the, how it works. Okay. Yeah. But I, I wrote the foreword to the book or the intro um, because I have very high regard for what's in that book and for his continued work. And so at one point, I guess it was last year, uh, time flies, but uh, Wilco was on tour and Pat had a show uh, in I can't, it was in Minneapolis or St. Paul. I can't remember now where the gallery was, but he had a show and he had expanded the, the images of his Polaroids to larger scale and had a, an opening at a place that, that was created just that, you know, it was just open that week. And I went to this and I was once again confronted with this image. And I just thought like, well, metaphorically speaking, Share the wealth. I mean, I thought it was an arresting image, very simple. It's just a, a wire with an outdoor light bulb and a beautiful cloud-filled sky. And uh, it has. I just find it uh, just absolutely uh, 
what would the word be? It's like trying to come up with adjectives is always such a pain. Um, fresh adjectives. <laughs> it's a very, it's very leading. It has, it has a, it's, it's for me, it has, it's, it's rife with possibilities as far as like, because it has its, its own kind of simplicity, but it has all kinds of resonance that's not uh, simple and can go in many different directions for me. So I thought, well, can I make this image work with my album title? And I thought, well, yes, because, because ultimately it's, it's kind of the light bulb itself is symbolic of illumination of technology, electricity, and the simplicity of it and the, the skies that it, it makes me think of possibilities. So I just thought, well, I mean, it's, maybe it's a stretch. And I asked him to send a bunch of things he'd been working on, but I just kept going back to that one. And he was really, really happy to have it on there. And the back cover is also a Pat Sansone piece. When you get the record, <laughs> you'll see that it's a, a layered Polaroids of fireworks. And it's, it's really an abstract image. Uh, when okay. You see it. So a lot but, of, a lot of light, a lot of illumination. If mm-hmm. I may, uh, I did not attend any kind of uh, art, art interpretation uh, uh, classes. Well, maybe I did in university, but my, here's the thing I was thinking, you got the title, share the wealth. You've got this, uh, sky's the limit thing. As you allude to the light bulb is also uh, often a symbol of ideas of invention. So I I thought maybe that was swimming and just the the whole package made me think what a great bold idea. Uh, the notion of sharing the wealth and, and so that's where my, again, I hope this isn't too facile, but that's just kind of where my mind went with it. Again, it's just a little thing on my computer right now, but I feel like when I hold it, because there's a lot of great ideas on this record. It's an ideas record, I feel like, if I may get more heavy-handed about it. And I wondered if that was going on in terms of your interpretation of it. I mean, certainly, I mean, people have said, like, well, the record's really long and has a lot going on. Is that why you called it Share the Wealth? And I'd like to say sure, but it isn't really why. Yeah. It's because I was much more interested yeah, I, actually, I should mention that I wrote a song, brought into the studio, a song called Share the Wealth, that we just I just didn't really want to put it on the record. It was, oh. I should have, I either should have been more, uh, I should have been a little more vociferous about what I wanted the song to come out like, or maybe I think the song, I think the song really should be played by like acoustic piano, upright bass drums, and tenor saxophone. Oh, okay. No guitar. <laughs> oh, and percussion. But but anyway. Maybe this uh, is a song to further the sharing idea. Maybe this is a song you've written for someone else somehow. Well, uh, maybe I'll try it with the concentric quartet. Maybe maybe the singers will attack it, and I'll, I'll, I'll rework it and try to make it something that can really be ours. But in any event, uh, and the song itself, even though it's kind of an odd meter vamp kind of 70s jazz number, it, it really makes me like in my mind, I want to hear Pharaoh Sanders playing tenor and Joe Bonner on piano. And like, I don't know, like Michael Carvin or Jimmy Hopps yeah. or somebody on drums, you know, Calvin Hill on bass, something like that would really make it for me. Nice. I like that <laughs> you I'm, have you have a personnel in mind for a piece. That's great. <laughs> That's that's awesome. <laughs> it's also hopeful given how isolated we all are. Um, this is uh, as we wrap up here, Nels. This is normally where I would ask someone what their their plans are, um, and I know that's a very difficult question, not only for oh. you personally. Well, on some level, yeah. No, actually, yes. Let me not lead I us can... astray. What's going on beyond uh, this? As as the record gets out in the world, what are you going to do? 
Well, normally, of course, this is where I would give you the the like the crazy rundown of all like, well, gee, I have all this stuff coming up. And of course I don't, yeah. but I do have a few things and I have some ideas of what I'd like to do. Uh, certainly uh, just to be, to be frank with you, uh, the idea of this record having any significance or importance has been pretty much impossible to contemplate as we ramp up to it. And as I am supposed to talk about it in glowing terms, but I also realized recently, especially when the videos came out and the reaction that I'm getting from people to hearing the music and seeing the videos, that people really do want some music and they want something that they like. I don't know. So I'm, I'm adjusting. Uh, when the record comes out, we won't be able to play any gigs. So uh, well, wait. I'll wait um, as patiently as I can to convene the Nels Klein Singers, the new six-piece version that lives on two coasts. Very mm -hmm. impractical, very right. impractical. Uh, and then we will play as soon as possible. Uh, the same goes for the concentric quartet with Tom Rainey, Chris Lightcap, Ingrid Laubrock, and me. And I will attempt to document the music I've been writing, get together, like we'll socially distance ourselves from each other and maybe go to Eli Cruz's studio and uh, put Ingrid in a in an ISO booth that no one can get near and... Uh, and try to see what happens with that music. And in the meantime, you can, I will uh, start plugging away on some new cup material. Uh, she's got a few other irons in the fire and I've got a, a few tracks to do here and there for people, mostly just for my friends, you know, yeah. and they're not, they're not paying gigs or whatever. It's just cool stuff for night for nice people. And uh, I have a, a, a task an assignment to accomplish in February of next year uh, with uh, the composer in Brooklyn named Douglas Cuomo. And he's written a piece for me and a string quartet that we have to try to record uh, and uh, with any luck also virtually perform for some uh, universities around the country. Oh, okay. So that's really the only thing I have that would look on the calendar like a gig <laughs> Sounds like um, a fair then, amount of stuff, as always, Nels. Like I, you were, I thought well, you were going to be like, I got nothing, and now that was well, you know. And then I've, you know, I've been encouraged to, to at least record casually or informally, I should say, not casually, uh, some solo guitar work, hmm. uh, which I think I might do, even because it's so terrifying for me and so difficult. But I just did some solo stuff the other night on our live stream, playing without any effects whatsoever. That that's the that's the challenge. Uh, besides everything. Um, I find it terrifying, but, but, yeah. but I, I'd like to actually maybe just record a few things and uh, just to have any, and then maybe some overdub stuff too, which just me as the, the one man psychedelic orchestra, um, which is what I like the most. Hmm. Um, but, but then, you know, next summer we've got Wilco tour on the books and we'll see if that can happen. Yeah. I've seen people planning those things. And I think I will say uh, Nels, when you, people like you, release records uh, i know you were saying like it's hard to even get into the spirit sometimes of you know being enthused about a record given all that's going on in the world but i will say that these these things you make and produce are hopeful beacons uh for people like us uh who are you say yeah people seem into it into the videos it makes it feel normal like it makes it feel like okay like the human spirit is alive it's and that is exemplified by Nels Klein singers putting out this double record 
this well, gives me it gives me a lift, you know, and I know that that's been the case for me, and I'm sure I'm not alone. So I hope that resonates well, with you. It, I, I really appreciate that, Vish, and it, and it does, and and I am psyched about the record. I won't lie about yeah, that. Yeah, it, yeah. It's just like the question that dogs me uh, is, is it important? Yeah. You know, so, and so I've had a lucky life. You know, I mean, I have been able to play music that I like my whole life and no not wasn't always lucrative that didn't matter you know i didn't i just got to play music i like and that's why i still love music and playing music it's all i want to do it's all i wanted to do since i was 12 years old yeah so for it to have any resonance or have uh and be inspiring or give solace or whatever is is a wonderful thing to hear and i have to say that that music and art basically saved my life mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. why wouldn't it help someone else you know i can i can be logical <laughs> when i have to be yeah 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 it's it's a rational thing to wonder about but uh don't say past tense either don't say i had a good life i played a lot of great there's more to come there's lots more to come you're right, we're, i'm we're... sorry <laughs> hey, well, you're supposed to be the morbid guy I, i'm supposed to be morbid i i 180 uh if people want to learn more about you and uh this record share the wealth is there somewhere on the internet that you would prefer to direct them to right now nels <laughs> <laughs> I, um, apparently i still have a website but i haven't looked at it in years okay. uh, it's probably, probably going to have some information up there and you know nelskline.com has probably got okay. whatever you need whatever you need but you can also <laughs> for the new stuff you can go to bluenote.com and find me okay and you're on some social media things people can follow you and I oh, that. Yeah. I don't see any of that stuff. I okay. don't, I don't, uh, but it's out there. It's, I'm, I'm sure that there's my name associated with, with Instagram and Facebook. So, okay. Uh, but I, I don't, you're not the one engaging with that. Okay. I got it. I'm not, I, I have, I have really, really nice people who keep track of stuff like that and, and ask me to post things. Uh, which generally sounds self-serving because they're like, "Hey, I have a gig tonight. Come yeah, on down," yeah. or, or "Hey, buy my new record." Whoa, <laughs> you know. Every once in a while, I I try, I, I add my voice to the noise, and and just when I can't take it anymore, and I say something socio-political, I guess. But I, I most for the most part, I'm just not seeing that stuff. It's too many voices for me, and yeah. I guess I'm a I'm a wimp. No, no, it's fair. We're all getting a bit tired of virtual life, I'm sure, uh, and have been for. Sometimes it's vexing and taxing and it's contributed to this fissure, this like this disconnect. Like it's weird. We're more connected and more disconnected. And anyway, that's a whole other morbid conversation. If we can go out on a song from uh, the new album, uh, Nels, I'm hoping, first of all, that you will uh, pick one. And if so, if you can sort of explain why it came to mind, is that something you can do? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, even though I didn't write it, I would say the opening track Segunda uh, comes to mind, not just because this video just emerged. And so I actually listened to it uh, and a few times, but because it's kind of like introduction to the orchestra, it has some nice uh, exchanges, round robin and solo exchanges between me and Brian and Skerrick. And uh, Ciro's in there with his jaw harp and his voice and... Uh, but there's also a kind of, uh, it, it has a cathartic quality. It's a nice dr drone piece. And I think that it has a kind of a lift to it that's neither happy or sad. It's like there's something about it that has all of the, uh, I guess, the complexities of various emotions and also a simple, direct 
musical content. So I guess like let's let's go for that. Let's you go know, for Scott, that. Scott and Trevor are in there just in a, in a very supportive role on this, as opposed to contributing all kinds of electronic madness along with their grooves. Uh, so it's it's a and it's just a uh, as opposed to say Beam Spiral, which we were discussing earlier, that has a video attached to it. Uh, this is just a live jam, and Beam Spiral is a little more produced. I did a little overdubbing to flesh out the guitar tones and. And so it was, it's much more, it was much more of a mixing challenge. There's a lot going on on that piece. Yeah. It's pretty orchestrated. This is just a good old jam. <laughs> okay, let's go out on that. This is Segunda from uh, the new album, Share the Wealth by the Nels Klein Singers. Nels, it's always such a thrill to get Thank to you. speak with you. Thank you so much. Likewise. Best of luck with everything in the future. Great to see you, man. Uh, enjoy Edmonton. <laughs> I'll try. I will Stay try. warm. I'm trying. Okay. Much love to you. Thank you.
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ah, very nice to have Nels Klein back on the show. He's been, when was he on? I don't remember. He was on a long time ago. He might have been on first year or something. Anyway, he's back this time. For the 579th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and uh, is available on, well, basically everywhere you get your podcasts. It's Apple, Google, Spotify, all of the practical but somewhat, if not completely evil things, but still it's there. You can get the uh, podcast on, on all of the podcast platforms and I hope you will and maybe you'll subscribe to it. That's always good if you... Hit your follow or subscribe button. That helps the show somehow. I don't know. Maybe it just helps those companies. I don't know if I get... Well, I mean, I guess it helps more people find out about the show. You know, by the 579th episode, I should know what the things do. If you can, follow and subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever you listen to your to your podcast. If you can't find an episode of the show that you heard about and you're looking for it, uh, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. Also, you can like Creative Control on on Facebook if you want. I, I, I'm presuming Facebook will be dismantled soon. Maybe it's gone by the time you're listening to this. But if for now, you can follow the show on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter. Still going. Still going Twitter, I think. At Vish Creative or follow me at Vish Tana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. Uh, if you if you donate $6 or more, and many of you do, which is very kind, uh, you get access to exclusive audio content. Maybe I'll go digging for like one of the first times I ever interviewed Nels, because that's how we know each other. I talked to him many, many years ago, before he was in Wilco, and uh, I, I, uh, yeah, he's a, always been such a sweet guy. Anyway, maybe I'll find that, put that up there for fun. I'm always self-conscious about those old audio archives, because I'm not great. Maybe I'm not great now, but I feel even like I was less great then. And I was learning how to do this. Anyway, I'll I'll dig around. Patreon.com slash creative control to uh, support the show. Thanks again to live at MasseyHall.com, where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by great Canadian artists. Also, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. Uh, thanks, as always, to my friend Jim Guthrie for lending me some music for the program. Uh, you can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org and finally thank you thank you for listening to this episode with Nels Klein and uh, for maybe telling your friends about this episode and maybe other episodes it's always helpful to spread the word about creative control and uh, I hope to uh, send you a new episode very soon I will talk to you very soon as I say bye for now bye for now
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.